Good morning, church. Good morning, good morning, and good morning to uh, the church that's joining with us uh, through YouTube. Grateful to, to be with you here this morning. Uh, today we're going to wrap up our series on, on prayer, um, and just by way of heads up, next week we'll be in a three-part series, a three-week series that we're calling Becoming. Um, and we're going to be uh, discussing how do we continue to see the Lord forming us as a community and what does it look like to be people that are becoming followers, becoming loving, and becoming servants. Um, but the way that we, Luris and I, have been chatting through uh, this, this series on, on prayer, uh, we thought it would be really good to wrap up um, our time in this series discussing what is it? generally look like, sound like, to hear from God? I know it's a question that all of us have pondered, have wrestled with, um, have struggled through. We desire to be a people that hear uh, the voice of the Lord. Um, as, as I think about that, I think the, one time, the first time that maybe I came across even someone discussing what it looks like to hear from the Lord was from that classic movie Braveheart, uh, with the guy that was from Ireland, and he was seen just to be a little bit eccentric and crazy. And the response to him was, you hear from the Almighty? <laughs> and uh, he was a person that just had daily communion uh, with God. And it can come across a little bit strange to be a people that hear from God, or that claim to hear from God. But what our faith would tell us is that that is normal, that that is to be the expected way that we live. Listen to this prayer from Thomas Merton. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself, and the fact that I think that I'm following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that in all that I am doing, I hope that I will do anything apart from that desire. I hope that I won't do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Come on, we can all relate to this prayer. Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. Where do I go from here? What's the decision I should make? Am I ruining my life? <laughs> Was there a better road I should have taken? I think we all can often find ourselves in this place of asking these questions. Well, we want to know your direction. We want to know your leading in our lives. Would you speak to us? Article I came across this past week was titled this. Missing hiker ignored calls from rescuers because it was an unknown number. Beginning of the article says, a man who had became lost for 24 hours while hiking on Colorado's highest mountains ignored repeated phone calls from rescue teams because they came from an unknown number. The place that I'd love for us to start this morning is, is this. By asking ourselves this question, is God's voice familiar to us? Because I think that what can often happen is that we mistakenly place more of an emphasis on getting direction from God and not on his voice being the voice of a friend. I have no idea where I'm going, but your voice is like a recognized number. 
we'll spend time in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, starting at verse 1 through verse 5, it says this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run for him because they don't know his voice. Down in verse 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Let's start with Jesus' words here, that the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I've had the honor of visiting uh, people in the hospital. Um, quite earlier in, in, in ministry, it was one of the responsibilities that was given uh, to me by the church that I had the honor of being a pastor at, and um, it was on a regular rotation. Tuesdays was my time to, to do hospital visits for the church. And I remember pulling in to, on the way feeling anxiousness, worried. What am I going to say? How do I, how do I step into these rooms? And, and I just would pull into the driveway and just with prayers of desperation, God, help me to, to hear you as I come into these rooms and, and chat with uh, the elderly saints in our community. And, and what I came to experience is that as I came in to be the one to minister into those rooms, that it would be the people that were in the hospital beds that began to minister to me. They begin to tell me of the Lord's goodness. They begin to tell me of, of what it looked like to, to follow him over the course of their lives. They begin to pray over me. They begin to prophesy over me. And I would just return like, to them and pray a little prayer and walk out. Just like, oh my goodness. They, all the ministering happened from the direction that I didn't anticipate it happening from. And for me, it was this just lifelong lesson of that we often find Jesus um, in the places of visiting the ill. But uh, I wanted to bring that up because often what would take place as well in these times is that I would visit people and because of their body failing them, it became harder and harder for them to communicate. But they had a loved one that was next to them, that was bedside with them. And often what I would hear were murmurs and mumbles. And then I would look over at their loved one and they would give me full sentences. This is what they said. Can I tell you that there was a difference between visiting the room and living in the room? That it was difficult for me to understand what was being said because I was merely popping in to that space. But the loved one was able to fully recognize that voice, even through mumbles, even through murmurs. Maybe in another analogy for you that, that might help in this space is that if you've ever got down and talked to a toddler face to face, and as they begin to just share with such enthusiasm, such excitement of what was going on in their lives, you're looking at them with just trying to go, I have no idea what's being said right now. And you look up at their parent, and they give a perfect interpretation of what was said. I, I think for us, it's, it's, it's this. We learn to recognize God's voice through experience. A life lived together versus an occasional visit is crucial to our ability to understand and recognize his voice. My sheep know my voice. 
And this is likely why many people have noticed that the more mature our faith, the more subtle and normal God's speaking is in our lives. That as we grow in relationship with God, he doesn't necessarily need to use the dramatic or the spectacular to speak to us. What we hope to grow in is that for our communication with God to become an intimate interaction between friends. And so what we discover is that we desire to hear God's voice because we desire to know God more. We delight in his speaking because we delight in him. We're not interested in recognizing his voice just because we want to get direction from him, but we are interested in hearing the voice of God because we are interested in communing with God. The context of our hearing, the context of our hearing him is a life that is found in him. He is where I live and move and have our being. So the motivation of our hearing is that our hearts leap at the sound of him. That our hearts leap at the sound of his voice being spoken. The picture that Jesus gets of us is that beloved shepherd that steps into the gate and gives a simple call and the sheep begin to leap up. The picture of it is that we are the toddler with our face up against the living room window, staring out into the driveway, waiting for our parent to pull back in to, to the driveway as they come home from work. Our hearts leaping, Dad, home, is the response of our hearts. We want to hear his voice because we want to know him. The response is like Buddy the Elf hearing that Santa's coming. Santa! I know him. I know him. The picture that Jesus gives us is the heart that just leaps because he's near. A heart that runs after him because he's our beloved. The emphasis on this isn't that where am I going to go today. The emphasis is I get to be near you today. I get to be around you. The picture at hand is a sheep zeroed in on the movement of their shepherd. I know you. I trust you. I just heard your voice, and I'm leaping, sprinting towards you. So Jesus tells us in this passage, the shepherd walks ahead of him, and they follow him. What ends up happening is is that the, the, the movement of the sheep is all zeroed in on the movement of the shepherd. We want to hear his voice because we want to follow him and his movement in the world. Dallas Willard said this, ultimately, we're to move beyond the question of hearing God and into a life greater than our own, that of the kingdom of God. Our concern for discerning God's voice must be overwhelmed by and lost in our worship and adoration of him and in our delight with his creation and his provision for our whole life. We desire to hear God's voice because we desire for his ways to become our ways. What are you up to in the world? Where are you moving in the world? How are you going forward? that we would hear his voice and begin to follow him, that the posture of our life would be his will is to be our will. He is where we desire to be found. I have no idea where I'm going, but I'm becoming more like Jesus. I want to know what God says because he alone is good and, is in, it, it, and it is an, an increasing point of joy that he is more and more the center of my living. And the effect that begins to take place in hearing God's voice is that we become more like him. See, my, my fear is that I would want to hear God's voice 
from a self-centered place. I don't want to just hear God's voice so I have a sense of stability and control in my life. I recognize that I can desire to hear God speak from a self-centered place, a place where I have yet to take up my cross and die to myself. I realize that I can actually strive to hear God's voice because I am incredibly preoccupied and focused on myself and not because I'm focused on the kingdom of God and others. That we strive to hear God's voice because we want to be made to be like him. Maybe you've heard it stated this way. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Here's what I hope to discover is that as God becomes more and more of our dwelling place, we become more and more familiar with him, that what we end up discovering is that there are times that God doesn't speak because we know precisely what he cares about already. I love watching Steph Curry and Draymond Green play together. For those of you that are unfamiliar with those names, they're basketball players. <laughs> and and what, what's displayed on, on the court when they play together is, is what's become kind of a lost art in sports, a people that have continued to play with each other over the course of their entire career. Because of the place of player empowerment and player movement, players are constantly moving from team to team. Yet here you have two men who have played each other, with each other for years. That it comes to the place that not only does Draymond Green know where Steph Curry wants the ball to be placed on the court to pass it to him, but Draymond Green knows precisely where on Steph Curry's body that Steph Curry wants the ball passed to him. They know each other. And as they're playing with each other on the court, what you end up noticing take place is that the one little movement from Steph, Draymond knows precisely where he's going, what he's doing, and will set a screen or set a pass exactly the way that he wants it played. Because of the experience of being around one another, they're able to read each other. They know each other. They know precisely what they want. There are certain restaurants that if I'm going to pick up food for for the evening, I don't have to consult Larissa what she wants. I know exactly what to order. I know that if I'm going to go to lunch with Pastor Mark, it'd be nice to have a Diet Dr. Pepper there for him. I know that my older brother prefers a Modelo Negra, right? I, I, I know these things because of shared experience with them. And I know... that what the Lord desires of me is to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. I know that he is commanding me to love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. I know that he has spoken to me to seek his kingdom and its righteousness above all else. And as that I, I grow more and more familiar with him and get to know him more, the more I recognize that he's just calling me to live those things out that he has already spoken. They follow him, Jesus says, because they know his voice. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the quality of God's voice. God's voice has been experienced by many and has been described by many to be like a still, small voice. I think that that's largely because God desires for the posture of our lives to be focused on him to be turned towards him. That he's not going to necessarily shout over all of the noise that's happening in the world around us, but he would be seeking a people 
that would give their attention to him. People have most often described God's voice to be like a prompting or an impression placed upon their heart and upon their mind. There's a gentle authority to God's voice. A word, an image, a thought emerges into our mind that doesn't seem to be like our own thoughts. It's been reflected that his spirit is speaking to our spirit. And, and because that's the case, God doesn't need the tangible, audible forms of communication that we need. But somehow, it's been understood that it's like God speaks in silence. It's, it's, in, it's in the quiet that we learn to discern that weight that's being pressed upon our spirit. I love the picture of, of the two people on the road back to Emmaus after the resurrection takes place. And as they're walking back, suddenly there's a stranger to their eyes that's walking along with them and inquires of them, what are you talking about as you're walking along this road? And they turn to him, they tell him, haven't you heard all the things that have taken place about uh, Jesus? We, you know, we, we had expected him to be this person. And, and Jesus begins to, to be in conversation with them. And as, afterwards, Jesus has a meal with them, and then he's gone. And they turn to each other and say this, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up to us the scriptures. I think that gives us a beautiful understanding of what God's voice is like. That there's something of a weight or a warmth that captures our hearts, and it's immediately connected with what? The scriptures. His voice isn't demanding. It isn't controlling. His, his voice comes to us, though, with a gentle authority. Listen, listen to this word spoken about Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will pro proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and his name will be the hope of all the world. And there we get the quality, the demeanor of Jesus's nature described to us. And his voice, God's voice speaking to us won't be in competition with that description of who Jesus is. God's not shouting at us. What I mean by that, his voice isn't like that abusive father that comes into the room and then demands that we act a certain way. He's not out to crush us, but he desires to nurture the smallest smoldering wick he speaks a word of justice and hope. This is the quality of God's voice. And a little bit of tangibles for us as we grow in our awareness and understanding of God's voice. God speaking to us will always line up with Scripture. But what that means for us is a responsible, it means responsible Scripture engagement and reflection. Because here's the deal. Humans are crafty. We're sneaky. And we can have the, the ability to twist scripture to say what we would like it to say. 
And so while I give that you know, accommodation to us, like that, that yes, God's voice will always line up with Scripture, what that means for us is that we need to have a responsible reflection upon Scripture. This is why the prayerful, humble reading of Scripture is our posture. That we would come before the Lord and say, Lord, those things that don't line up with who you are, would you root that? out of me. Part of his word lining up a scripture means that we must be a humble and teachable people. That we don't approach scripture with a posture that says, I have it all figured out. But our posture, and I think that what becomes so helpful for us, is that we would be a people that read it in a community that is diverse, that is different from us. That might bring up different points of, of reflection and interaction with, with scripture. Maybe, maybe a, a a practical for us. There's this incredible book. Um, I think it was Christianity Today's book of the year last year. It's called Reading While Black. It's from an Anglican pastor named Esau Macaulay, and it's for the perspective of there that he writes from is that he just says, for, for me and, and my culture, that as we approach Scripture, these are part of the ways that we reflected through Scripture. What he is not arguing is, is that this is the only way that you view Scripture. But he's giving us another understanding. Here, from, from my perspective, from my vantage point, here are the ways that God's Word has ministered and encouraged and has empowered me and my family. And that that would be a point of reflection for us, that Scripture engagement would be responsible, it would be thoughtful, it, it would be, we'd approach it with humility. The other tangible is that I would encourage us is that we would continue to grow in familiarity with the Holy Spirit. Connected with getting to know the heart and nature of our Father through Scripture, we pay attention to what His Spirit is saying to our spirit. Honestly, the, the best point of encouragement I can give in this place is to say this is that place of experience. Honestly, this is that road of stopping and saying this thought keeps being pressed upon my heart and my mind. I can't get away from this thought, so I'm going to sit on it, and I'm going to ponder it, and I'm going to read scripture, and I'm going to ask myself the questions, does this line up with the character and nature of Jesus? And we just continue to do that, continue to work through it. But I, bl I believe a great place for us to start as we ask ourselves the question, is this God's Spirit speaking to us, is that, that a great roadmap is the fruit of the Spirit. Is the work that is happening within me causing me to be a person of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is, is the word in, that, that's, being, that's being pressed like a weight upon my mind, upon my consciousness, upon my heart, line up with the fruit of the Spirit? Listen to Dallas Willard again. The voice of God speaking in our souls also bears within it within itself a characteristic spirit. It is a spirit of exalted peacefulness and confidence, of joy, of sweet reasonable, reasonableness, and of goodwill. His voice is not the voice of a bully. It will not run uh, over you and your will. It is, in short, the spirit of Jesus. And by that phrase, I refer to the overall tone and internal dynamics of his personal life as a whole. Those who have, had seen Jesus had truly seen the Father, who shared the same spirit. It is the spirit that marks the voice of God in our hearts. Any word that bears an opposite spirit most surely is not the voice of God. And because his voice bears authority within itself, it does not need to be loud or hysterical. James, Jesus' brother, said this, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. 
had the opportunity this past week to sit with a friend at the dinner table. And he was reflecting with me an earlier job that he had in life, and the job was cleaning the floor of the San Diego Zoo. Going around, it was, he wasn't within the animal enclosures, but it was all the human traffic. And it was probably more disgusting than all of the animal traffic that was taking place. And one day he was told by his supervisors that tonight he would have the responsibility of cleaning the bathrooms. And as he stepped into the bathrooms, he realized that the reason that they gave him this job is because earlier that day, a woman had a miscarriage in that bathroom. You get the job. He said that as he was cleaning up this space, a voice came to him. Would you do this for me? Was the voice. And this friend responded, yes, Lord. I would do this for you. And began to clean that bathroom with an understanding that what he was doing was for Jesus. And then he heard another voice. Would you weep for her? And the response was, yes, Lord, I will. And there with tears in the bathroom, finished cleaning up that space, and then went to his supervisors and said, I want the job of cleaning the bathrooms from here on out. See, that's the quality, the texture, the nature of God speaking to us. Is that voice causing us to be more like him? Is the prompting and the weight that's being placed upon our heart seem to coincide and connect with what we read about Jesus? Now, I would say that part of where we grow more aware of God speaking to us is by actually paying attention to what's happening around us and within us. Curiosity and alertness to our circumstances thought patterns, and emotions. That we would have, love Dallas Willard's phrase, an, an intelligent alertness of what's happening around me and within me. And so the posture we take in life is to say, I'm not trying to rush through life going from one thing or another, but I try to live life in a way where I have enough space to ponder, to think, to reflect what's happening around me and what's happening within me. Blaise Pascal simply put it this way, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. That often that God's speaking to us will be by the circumstances we're navigating, the emotions that, that we're feeling, the thought patterns that are happening within us, and pondering, bringing those things before the Lord and saying, are you using these to speak to me or work something with, with, within who I am? This is that prayer that we read about at the end of Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. Test me. See if there's any anxious way within me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So we sit and wonder, am I stressed out? Why? Am I ir easily irritated today? Why? Am I finding that I'm running after other things to be my primary place of comfort and rest? Am I using things as a way to help me cope with the pressures and stresses of life. It'll be this place of bringing those things before the Lord and saying, are you using these things in a way? Are you maybe giving me an alertness to the things that I'm interacting with or working through in my mind? Because you're trying to say something 
to me. And then Jesus tells us that, that his sheep won't follow a stranger, that they'll run from that stranger. I, I have a, a rough relationship with the, the range above my stove. And what I, what I mean by that is I often forget to turn it on when I'm cooking my bacon, and the house becomes just a big cloud, right? There's just smoke everywhere in the house. And Larissa will call out, did you forget to turn on the, the range? Yeah. <laughs> the other problem that I have is that I'll turn it on, I'll get to cooking, I'll prep everything, and then I forget that it's running. And then I come back into the room, into the kitchen, and I push that little button to turn the range off, and right when I do, there is a wave of peace that comes over my body. And what I had failed to realize is that there was an agitating and stressful voice or noise that was happening in that space. And I didn't realize the impact it was having upon me. So the, the picture, the historic picture here that, that Jesus lays out for us is that what would happen often at night is the, is the sheep, the flock, would be put in a pen with other flocks. So the shepherds would all come to the hired sheep hand, and so you would have uh, several flocks that would all be spending the night there together. And then in the morning time, when the shepherds would come, the gates would open, and the, sh the shepherds would call out, and their sheep, and only their sheep that were in that pen, would come out to their shepherd. But there were other shepherds that were calling out. And so what the sheep were able to do is that they were able to discern the noises of the different shepherds that were calling out. And the picture to us is this recognition that there are other voices that are shepherding people in the world around us. There are other voices that are, that are teaching the sheep of this world where to go, how to live. And the recognition that we would live with is this place of being able to say those other voices would only be a place of stress, agita agitation, and frustration for me. The, the call to us, the, the, the lesson for us is this place of being able to say, may we be a people that tune in to the voice of our shepherd while all of these other shepherds in our world are calling out. We zero in on him. Brittany, would you come back up? Here's where I would want us to go um, with the rest of our morning together. I want us to take a moment to put this into practice, to posture ourselves in a, in a place where we might actually stop and discover if God is speaking to us. Here's what I don't want to do. What I don't want to do is come to you this morning and say that if we would just sit and be quiet, God is going to speak to you right now. And I've been in rooms where, where that has been the posture, where it would come up and it's like, God is going to speak directly to you right now. And then I sit there and I don't hear anything and I walk out of that room feeling dejected and thinking, is there something wrong with my faith that I didn't hear God, but everyone else seemed to? Here, here's the recognition. God has a will. We don't try to control him. We don't come and try to say, God, you are going to speak to me right now. Larissa has a sibling who, when she was younger, would often be in spaces where she wouldn't get what she wanted, so she would just hold her breath in front of her parents until she got what she wanted, and her parents wouldn't give her what she wanted, and she would pass out. She was that determined to get what she wanted. She'd hold her breath 
pass out from holding her breath for so long. And they took her to the doctor and just said, what do we do in this kind of scenario? And the doctor's response was, let her pass out. She'll start breathing again. The posture that we're going to come in right now is not to hold our breath before the Lord and say, you're going to speak to me. But it would be this posture of, of saying, God, maybe you have been attempting to speak to me, or you have been speaking to me, but I haven't slowed down enough to hear your speaking. God, you're not an ATM, you're not a crystal ball machine, you're not an ATM machine, you're not a crystal ball, like I, I would hope that if you have been speaking to me that I can tune in right now. The other thing I would say is that there may be something that you've been dreading and feeling the crushing weight of in your life. And I would say don't run away from that this morning, but bring that before the Lord. That I think that sometimes the approach that we can take is to say, let me try to ignore the thing that I'm feeling the crushing weight of so that I can hear the voice of the Lord, but it might be a better posture to say, God, let me bring this thing before you. And maybe I feel or sense a word of peace being spoken over me. Maybe for some in this space this morning, it might just be a place of adoration and praise. That what might happen in this space is you coming before the Lord and just speaking a word of worship to him and what you might feel sensed upon your body right now is a word of his delight in you. And that would just be that beautiful place of communing, communing with God. You might be seeking direction this morning. You might be trying to figure out, there might be a, a, a pressing decision that, that you're, you've been weighing and working through. Here's often what I've discovered in moments like these is that God goes a bit deeper than that surface level, what should I do next type question. And he sometimes will respond with questions like this. Why do you want to know? What are you hoping for there? And, and sometimes God will just go, go deeper into that. And so in that space, as we're seeking direction from him, that we would also bring before him our decision-making. God, why am I wanting an answer here? What am I hoping it will accomplish? What direction will this lead me to in life? Will this cause me to reflect more of the fruit of your spirit? This morning may be a point of examine, Again, coming before him and saying, search me, O God, see if there's any offensive way within me, lead me in the path of everlasting. And, and maybe a word spoken from him would be a place of peace, delight, grace that would be spoken, but that he would also, you may be also finding him leading you in the way of holiness and wholeness. And then the other thing that may take place in this space is that the Lord might bring a word or a picture uh, for somebody else. And, and can I just tell you that most often when we get a word from someone else, that it usually doesn't have this like, large level of explanation to it. Like it's usually just a simple word or a phrase, a small sentence, a picture that we have that we bring before that person. And I think that often when it's happening, that out of our places of insecurity, we start filling in all the gaps and, and, and spaces. And so we start saying, oh, what I see or what I've sensed upon you is this word, and then we try to, to preach after that. But maybe it's this posture of just being able to say, if the Lord gives you a word or a picture for somebody else, that you would just simply bring that before them. And, and that it would be the Lord's grace to us that if it is a word, or a picture for that person, that he would be the one to affirm that in their hearts. And it would be the Lord's grace to us that if it's not 
an accurate word or a picture for them, that he would allow that to wash away from them. Let's sing, Brittany, just for a minute or so, and then we'll create some space to be silent before the Lord. Waiting here for you With our heads Lifted high In praise And it's you two, two, three minutes sitting in silence.
my Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. No, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen. Amen. Church, would you stand? Before we go, I uh, want to invite you to this coming Thursday night. Uh, we have the info on the website as well. Uh, we're going to be having a prayer uh, night. It'll be downstairs in the courtyard. Um, there's really a uh, informal uh, time of worship and prayer, but we will have different prayer points for us um, as a community. Um, so again, we'd love to, to see you there this Thursday night. And uh, your kids are absolutely welcome to join if, if you've got them. Um, church before you go and before you spend time downstairs in the courtyard together hear this may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may the lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace love you church we'll see you downstairs